today on The Breakdown. Tony G, Eric Seidel, and Salty Joe Hashem. These are the luminaries who make up this hand from the 100K Aussie Millions from, we're pretty sure, 2012. This is a hand where there are sets, there are all-ins, there's tough decisions. It's got it all, Grant. I'll tell you what, it's got it all. (laughs) That was my Rick from Rick and Morty voice, by the way. Anyway, we're going to take it apart right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Are you sure that wasn't your Jeff Goldblum voice? Uh, come on, that was you didn't you didn't hear the Rick in that? It's, it's got it all, Morty. Uh, it's yeah, got it's got yeah. everything. There's there's something there. It was just a it was like a very subtle reference. And I was afraid that people wouldn't get it. So Do I Jeff to, Goldblum now? Sure. Um, <laughs> what well, well, uh, 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 life will find a way, Hulk? Uh, Hulk? Uh, yeah, because in, he's in the new Hulk and Thor movie. Oh, right. Uh, uh, Thor, Thor, you uh, your 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 hair is golden. <laughs> and I'm Goldblum. <laughs> yes. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh, actually, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. It's better than the time I did it as a Scottish man yeah. without a stutter. Yeah. Well, I find a way. <laughs> That's how I did it the first yeah, time. Yeah, because you're, you're a high-quality impersonator. Um, I can do... Oh, God. There used to be people I could do. I used to be able to do the guy from Sling Blade, Billy Bob Thornton from Sling Blade. Yeah. It's been a long time. Don't do it. Okay. Thanks. I, I, used, to, I used to do that pretty well. Good, good info. Put that on your. I kind of want to do it now, but it's been so many years. All ago. right, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, uh, it's a blade. <laughs> <laughs> what? Some folks call it a sling blade. Did you never see this movie? I didn't actually see it. Oh, he's. I know about talks it. Like that. I, talks yeah. like that. I mean, sort of like that. I don't know. Probably not like that. I love you, boy. He says that too at the end. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> We were almost nominated for an award. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> almost. Do you think it was things like this that got in the way? <laughs> May have uh, been obstacles to that nomination? No, I think it's the Illuminati that got in the way. Yeah. Yeah. The Illuminati, the Glitterati, all of the Oddies. The Paparazzi. The, the Gaudis. <laughs> yeah, Paparazzi. Yeah. yeah, all of them. Uh, anyway, this hand that we're going to do features one of the potential Illuminati of the poker world, Tony G. If there's a poker Illuminati, he's probably a member. You know what? Sure. He owns Poker News. Yep. He's a member of the Lithuanian government. Yep. I say, yeah. Yeah. Eric Seidel, who used to be part of the Poker Illuminati, at least. Wait, why? What makes you say that? He was one of the owners of Full Tilt. Oh, right. That's true. A lot of people might ask, why does Eric Seidel and other certain Full Tilt members get to totally slide while Chris Ferguson and Hal Letterer don't? I'm not going to get into it here. I don't know the answer. I don't entirely get it myself. It seems a little strange. Yeah. Why is no one angry at Eric Seidel and Tom Dwan and people like that? But everyone's angry at Chris, Chris Ferguson and Howard Letterer. They had more. They stole more. But no one paid back any money, right? Why are we, why are we not upset with, with all the full tilt guys? Did Tom happen? Dwan pay some back? I don't think he did. But I think he was the one who was most transparent about it from the beginning. So like he was immediately saying, I think he, I think he did. I think he paid back like friends of his or something like that, ah. which is not really the same thing. But he did apparently pay out right away to like high stakes people who we knew saying like, I'm sure it's going to be fine and paid out. Yeah. Which is at least something like, at least he put him himself on the line a little bit, assuming that's true from my understanding. And I, again, I don't have the full history in front of me. My understanding is that it's based on the level of knowledge involved. Mm. I think like Ferguson and letter really knew what was going on. Yeah. And that's why people are so mad at him. Like is, or them, it's like them and Batar really, really knew what was going on. The rest of the guys were kind of like, wow, there's a lot of money. It's great. Sure. No, that's yeah. fair. And that's fair. And that, that is a reason to be more upset. At the same point, there was a point when everyone knew it was going on, right? And the guys, the, all the full tote owners had a lot of money, like a lot of money, like millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Now, some of them, maybe not. Like Eric Lindgren almost certainly had none of that money. No, he was immediately betting it all. Of course. And that's fine. And like, if you're broke, you're broke. But for all the guys who weren't broke, which obviously Chris Ferguson and Howard Letter are a big part of that, but I guess Seidel and Phil Ivey and other people were a part of that too. None of them paid back any money. I'm just saying it, it's a little hypocritical for us to be like, why doesn't Chris Ferguson pay back some of that $70 million and not be like, where's Eric Seidel's contribution? No, you're right. That's all. You're right. That's for another podcast, though. Yeah. But the truth is, if Eric Seidel didn't know that people were getting like, that things were really bad the whole way, it does change it a little bit for me. I, yeah. I feel like I don't have a problem with Eric Seidel, even though I feel like I'm supposed to. Yeah, I agree. Cool. He just seems so mild-mannered, you know? Yeah, he does. 
He's a friend of a friend, actually. Good to know. He's a friend of one of your friends, too. I, I know. know you, okay. I, didn't know, I know who it is. Okay. One of the Illuminati. Right. So I'm just saying, like, our friend has also, like, you know, cares about people's ethical stuff and integrity. So true. That, that maybe makes me think a little more of Eric Seidel than I otherwise would. I don't know. Anyway, this hand. Yeah. From this 100K Aussie millions, as you mentioned at the opening. Or is it Aussie? Aussie. Uh, no, Aussie. 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 You basically got it. Okay. Uh, suggested by Alice Klaus. On Alex, Klaus. Alex, Klaus. not Alice. You always say Alice these days when it's, you say. It's that. hard to say Alex and then a C, like Alex Klaus. You just got to separate your words. Try it, Alex Klaus. Yeah, you tried super hard though. You said try it. I said it, Alex right. Klaus. I've never said Alice when I meant Alex. Alex Klaus. Although I do misspeak all the time on this show. Yes, you do. Anyway, we are at Two Poker Guys on Twitter. Number Two Poker Guys. Yes. Or you could just type Poker Guys into Twitter. I'm sure we'll pop up. Yeah. If you have a suggestion for the breakdown, include a YouTube link and a timestamp. Do it. Do it. And with this hand, it does involve Tony G, but there's no, none of that fun table talk, unfortunately, because... It's true. God, I love it when Tony G berates people. <laughs> it's amazing. I agree. It's a wonderful thing. Tony G is very good at it. Uh, it's special. And he's wonderful for TV. And he berates people in a way which is both worse and better than the way Phil Helmuth does it. In that it's worse in that it's more personal when Tony G does it. Right. But he's also doing it kind of as a joke and you can tell. There's a meta nature to yeah. it. Which is not like for help. For, Phil Hammond takes it really seriously. But he sort of is saying like when he's complaining about something, he's really complaining about everybody. Yes. Even though he happens to be focused on one person. Tony G actually picks things apart about you very specifically and says awful things about you to you publicly. Yeah. Like Phil Hammond. Phil Hammond. Or the guy. Maybe it was... um. There was a guy who had like Ivy Poker on his uh, patch, like at the World Series of Poker made event like four years ago, and he was playing tight or something like that. And Tony G went crazy. Like, I do remember how that. How can Phil Ivy have your? How could he ever pick you and all this kind of <laughs> like the kind of things? Like Helmuth wouldn't say that. He would say these guys, these kids. Yeah. you know. So Tony G specifically to Phil Helmuth, I think you should retire. It's over, <laughs> Phil. Get on your bicycle. The game is passing you by. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, he puts his arms around. He's like, I think you should retire. He says it very like sincerely. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It's so good. Incredible. Uh, he was wrong, by the way. Phil continued to have success. By the way, who I'm going to do an impression right now. Who am I? Of course, I lied. Well, obviously, you're Tony G. Yes, I am. That's from one of our favorite hands. Well, and he's not the only uh, Australian person, although he's in the Lithuanian parliament. He's clearly an Australian person uh, in this hand. It's also Joe Hashem. Salty Joe. Who likes the sugar, though. That's weird. Pass the sugar. That's because he's salty. He needs more sugar. Yeah, you got to change, you know, get those. Get the balance right. That's what I was going for. Yeah. Couldn't get it out. Uh, okay, so this is pretty early on in this 100K, but it seems that the starting stack was something like 80K to 100K. Hashem seems pretty short stacked compared to the other guys right. at the table. Uh, Hashem's going to open the action in the hijack with two aces. He's got ace of diamonds, ace of clubs, pretty good hand. He's got 44K at 400, 800. So he's still got over 50 blinds. He's not in the danger zone. Okay. Eric Seidel is on the button. He's got 150K, big stack. Uh, he's got two nines, nine of clubs, nine of hearts, decides to call. You could three bet this hand. You absolutely could, but it's really fine to just call. Right, and Hashem's stack is awkward if, if we get four bet. We kind of have to fold two nines. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. But yeah, but we could, we could play it that way too. Hashem is, I don't know if he is anymore, but he was certainly back in the day, notably like a little bit tighter than most sort of successful tournament players, I would say. You think so? Yeah, I do. I do. I'm, I'm still remembering back in when he won in 2005 where he had the hand against Steve Daneman when it was like day three or something like that, where he had ace-king of a suit, and it was suited ace-king, and the flop came out and he flopped. I think he just flopped overs in the nut flush draw, and Daneman flopped a set of nines, and Hashem bet, Daneman raised, Hashem re-raised, Daneman moved in, and Hashem folded. Huh. And it was like, he said like, something, my stomach doesn't feel right about this hand, feels wrong, feels wrong, and folded. And it's, yeah, and they ended up playing heads up for the title many days later. So anyway, a lot of players wouldn't play that, that hand like right. that. They, if they were raising, they would be playing to get it in. And Hashem got all that sugar. Yes, he did, actually. He got a lot of sugar. Did he ever have any success after that, really? Yes. He did. He did. He's, he's won um, bracelets since then. He also has won WPT since then. I know that. He has. I didn't realize that. Yes. He's also, I think he also final tabled other... WPTs and or bracelet events as well. I think he's done pretty well. 
Now, it's been many years, so you yeah. play a lot of events, you're going to do well. But like almost right away, like the next few years he did, he had a really nice run. Like he was one of the few guys who like showed that he actually sort of deserved it, at least for a while. I don't know if he's huh. still still would have game enough That's to play. That's only surprising to me because of the commentary I've heard him do on Aussie Millions cash games. Yeah. Where it's it's possible he's doing a Mike Sexton thing where he's like essentially trolling the audience and telling them stupid things on purpose, which we're convinced is what Mike Sexton is doing. If Mike Sexton isn't doing that. Well, whatever. He's yeah. not doing anything anymore. He's but like it, a party like his, poker his analysis seemed like so rudimentary to a point of being wrong. Yeah. What, it felt like Hashim couldn't have continued to have success, but I guess maybe that's just not how he actually thinks. Yeah, it's possible they always feel like they have to speak down to their audience, and so they just say whatever they think their audience is thinking about instead of the kind of stuff that the poker pros would but think But that's about. a little bit different than like yeah. expecting somebody to check-raise top pair in a spot where you should never check-raise top pair. I mean, pair. Mike Sexton is always shocked when they don't, yeah. or he claims to be, right? Yeah. How can he How can he fold an ace here? Like he's got ace-deuce under the gun. It's like offsuit. Like, right. Yeah, how can he, Mike? How can he? So, yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't know. But Hashem was successful for a while afterward. I know that. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, successful enough to be in this 100K in 2012. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that's many years later. Yeah. And, you know, you don't just get bought into that. Like, you have to, someone has to back you. Yeah. I mean, I doubt he paid his own money because nobody does. Right. I don't know. If you win the main event, though, maybe you, sh- you get backed a lot when you shouldn't. Yeah. Especially in Australia. Yeah. For sure. But anyway, anyway, he's got aces. He's playing it fine. He yeah, he's, he opened his aces to 2K at 400, 800. He's doing a good job. Seidel called him the button with nine of clubs, nine of hearts. Tom Dwan folds a small blind. Unfortunately, he usually makes things fun. But another guy who makes things fun is Tony G in the big blind. He's yeah. got 110K and two fives, five of clubs, five of hearts. Pretty sweet. Can't really do anything but call here. Um, yeah, it's a super straightforward call. I guess you could decide to squeeze. But as you said, there's awkwardness that comes if anyone decides not to uh, first of all not to fold but second of all to re-raise if joe hashem decides to re-raise that's yeah. gonna be a real problem and joe hashem of course would decide to re-raise of we course he would now so we've got seidel with the biggest stack here 150k tony g with 110k and hashem with 44k aces for hashem nines for seidel and g's got two fives before we get to the flop Let's talk a little bit about Dash Digital Cash. Yeah. Dash Digital Cash is super cool, Jonathan. It is a cryptocurrency. Yep, like Bitcoin. Yeah, like Bitcoin or, and many other that you've heard of, Ethereum, stuff like that. Uh, Dash has some elements about it that just make it really useful and good, though. It's just a nice cryptocurrency. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually better than a lot of the other ones, believe it or not, um, specifically as a currency. So it is incredibly fast. It's like if I send from my phone... Uh, dash to Grant's phone. And we've done this multiple times. We have. It's between one and two seconds that he gets it. Yeah. I I hit send. It bings on his phone two seconds later, and he's got the money. Guess what? It doesn't matter how much Dash you're sending either. So, like, recently we had a transaction. It was, like, a significant transaction with uh, somebody else where I sent him Dash from my phone to his phone. Mm -hmm. And I pressed the button, and it felt like before... I even pressed the button. I heard his phone, which had the volume on, I guess, make the sound that the Dash wallet makes when you receive the Dash. It was like, ching. Yeah. It was already there. It was crazy. Here's the other thing that makes it so good as a currency, Grant. The transaction fees are insanely, insanely cheap. They are less than a penny right now. Yeah. And that is, they're always going to be insanely cheap, by the way. Right. Yeah. They're one cent, essentially. You can think of it as one cent. And, uh... In, in those transactions, that dash is then usable in five to six minutes, but you can use something called instant send, which sounds like a really cool feature and is because then that makes that dash usable right away, right mm-hmm. when you receive it. Yeah. And that costs 10 cents. Right. So, so compared to a credit card or anything like that, it's insanely cheap. Yes. Um, we think dash, because of these features, there's other great things about it too, but because of these features, it has a really good chance to win, be one of the winners of the cryptocurrency wars, if you will and really be used as a currency down the road. So we strongly encourage you to do some research on Dash and kind of figure out what you think about it because we think you're just going to be impressed with everything about it. I mean, the, we were, I already held some Dash and we did a bunch of research on Dash as we were going to pick them up as a sponsor. And I just sort of couldn't believe how impressive they really are. Like the deeper I went, the more impressed I was, which was right. surprising to me. And uh, we, we do have a video out right now Yes, that uh, we link to in a lot of our breakdown videos and our Poker Time videos where we have a deeper explanation of Dash. We encourage you to check that out as well. Yeah, if you want to know more about these things, if you want to see a demonstration of just how fast that money really gets moved. We also talk about things like what the Dash treasury is and why that's important, how cool it is, um, all that kind of stuff. It's a cool little video if you want to learn more about it. 
Right. So I think we need to come up with, with a new slogan for Dash. Okay, it's time. Uh, Dash, where the cars are always in space, like Elon Musk's. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty solid. Um, let me try one. Okay. Dash, you'll never know if you don't have it. That's that? pretty good. It's <laughs> good, right? Dash, imagine if chocolate was a currency. <laughs> yeah, that's strong. Yeah. Strong, yeah. Dash, sometimes better than what's on TV. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Good. We did it. We, right. we at least started to formulate the beginnings of, of a slogan. I feel bad for Dash. How are they going to pick between those four? I know. It's going to be a terrible thing to have to if do. If currency was a ch- chocolate, if chocolate was a currency, <laughs> and sometimes better than what's on TV, are really tough to decide which one you like more. All right. Well, I know Joe Hashem likes the chocolate one because he likes sugar. Mm. So uh, let's talk about what happens on the flop here. We got two okay. nines for Seidel, two aces for Hashem, two fives for Tony G, and the flop is what they call a doozy, Jonathan. <laughs> it's called a doozy. <laughs> That's what the kids call it these days, huh? Yes, it is. It is certainly a doozy. Oh, my goodness. I didn't write the flop. Down. I know what the flop is. It's I okay. do, too. It's uh, okay. Well, go ahead. King of clubs, nine of spades, five of spades. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, most notably, it's a pretty dry flop, except for the spades out there. There are gut shots, but there's no like major straight draws. Yeah. Tony G flops bottom set. Eric Seidel flops middle set. Joe Hashem has an overpair. Yeah. There's going to be some freaking bloodletting... Bloodletting, yeah, blood will be let. Isn't that usually like a healing medical procedure, or at least it I was? I mean, it was meant to be, but people ended up dying a lot from it. So. Okay, so you it's do about, something, you do something that think is going to be good for you, and it ends up killing you. But that sounds about, like what's going to happen. It's here. about intent, though. Yeah, the intent is good, right? You don't think when Joe Hashem puts chips in with his aces, the intent is bad? Sorry, the intent. Yeah, isn't I good. think the intent is bad. He's like, I hope I lose this hand. <laughs> When I bet this Or money. maybe he just has other bad intents. Like, I hope a school bus blows up somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> salty Joe. You never know a Salty Joe. Yeah, I know. He's known for that type of thought. Uh, so, just Tony, to be clear, for all libel attorneys out there, we do not... That is not true. No. We're we just d- joking about Joe Hashem. We don't think he thinks those things. No, we've we never heard... We, we have no evidence of that of any kind. However, we can't guarantee that he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And yeah. I mean, that's just honest. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it's going to start with Tony G. He's ecstatic having flop bottom set. Yeah, sure. He's going to shove it in somebody's face and then talk a bunch of trash, right? That's, that's how it's going to go. I mean, we should probably start with Eric Seidel since he's in the small blind. No, he isn't. He's on the button. Yeah. Well, let's start with Tony G because Tom Dwan was in the small blind, sir. Tony G's ecstatic right now. He's going <laughs> to shove those fives right in someone's face. I did say at the beginning, sets are going to be flopped, by the way. So you spoiled everything. I just let people know what was up. Sometimes you have to spoil things a little bit, though, you know? Yeah, a little bit. Just a little. Not too much. I mean, I didn't spoil things too much. Anyway, continuing. I mean, if somebody had spoiled Fight Club for me before I watched it, I would have been very upset. Yeah, but when I rewatch Fight Club, I still love it. Yeah, but you liked it best the first time, right? Because the twist. Yeah. I don't think that's true, actually, for me. Yeah, yeah, it I is. didn't entirely buy the twist. I was like, really? Seems a little off. And then rewatching it, I can see that it actually is built into the whole movie. It, it was it, totally organic, as opposed to feeling like where it came out of nowhere. This is on the movies with Grant and Jonathan. <laughs> you know, we should maybe make that podcast. I mean, I would love that. But okay. Whatever. Anyway, Tony G checks his set. He's hoping Salty Joe's got what he has. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> Salty Joe is just fun to say. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I want to be named Salty Joe. One day. Yeah. Okay. What's it? Grant isn't a good name that to have like a thing with it. I mean, Gregarious Grant doesn't really roll off the tongue. No. Gorgeous Grant. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kid. Um, greedy Grant. All right. I'll take that one. All right. It's kind of lame. You can be Jumpy Jonathan because you're all That's better. Jumpy. That's better than, than any of the things you have. Anyway. All right. So Hashem's going to bet, and that seems pretty normal. Of course. We can get value from a bunch of kings. Bunch of kings. There are a bunch of draws out there. Flush draws specifically are the most common. Yeah. Obviously, we also don't want to give like free cards to the, the gut shots, the king queens. Of, sorry, the, the queen jacks of the world, the jack tens of the world, yeah. things like that. Why would we want to do that? We want to charge them or, you know, either get get them out or have them pay. Either way is fine. Six, seven, seven, eight. Also gut shots. Yep. Seven, six, nine. Honestly, yeah. like a nine. May, it's not a nine. Yeah, nine. Like ten nine suit or something like that can call also. Oh, yeah. And they should. So Hashem bets 4,500 into 6,500. That's uh, charging quite a bit for a tournament. It's a little big, but okay. All right. So what do you want to do as Eric Seidel here? Right. This is an interesting question, Grant. Yeah. Because as Eric Seidel, we're aware of a number of things. Number one, 
we are on the button. So we don't nec- that can that gives us a reason to delay our raise a little bit, right? Being on the button. Yes. And that we can always we're we're never going to miss a bet. And being out of position means you can miss bets. So that's great. Number 1. Number 2, Salty Joe bets 45 now. If you were to bet the turn, let's pretend he has ace king as as Eric Seidel for a second. Okay. If you were to bet the turn, he might bet like 9,000 or so. And then we could, in theory, shove the river over whatever he does. He's probably going to find a fold, although he may, he may feel obligated to call because he's you know, committed so much. Um, if, I guess if Salty Joe's got a real hand, we might be able to get in with him anyway. So the question becomes about Tony G as much as anything, right? Like, is there any money to make out of Tony G here? Usually the answer is no. If we raise, Tony will probably fold all of his draws, including the nut flush draw. Yeah. Maybe he won't fold a combo draw. Maybe he won't fold the king X of spades. Yeah, the queen jack of spades, the jack ten of spades. He probably won't fold that. The, the king ten of spades. Yeah. You know, hands like that because the king is the non-spade. That one, I mean, honestly, I think you'd rather have the jack ten of spades than the king, king X of spades. Right. So. The pair doesn't seem that meaningful against the raise. Right. So it's not super great unless yeah. unless Seidel himself has the nut flush draw. Yeah, then we're in great shape. Then, then we don't mind. But otherwise, we're not doing well against Seidel's range at all. We basically just have a flush. Yeah, so flatting might make sense because we're, (coughs) excuse me, three ways. And we might induce a raise from some of those hands. We might. The other thing is, Tony G's a little bit of a, you know, wild card. Yeah. It's possible he's going to raise. Now, he has a set of fives. But it's possible he's going to raise with things that aren't even very good. Yeah, he might raise one pair of hands. He might raise no pair of hands. He's Tony G. He does weird stuff. It's not likely. It's a 100K buy-in. And he's probably going to play a little bit tighter in a tournament than a cash game. Yeah. Also, him and Seidel are relatively deep. I don't think he's, I don't think he's apt to raise very often. But if Tony G has king-queen, it's not completely unheard of for Tony G to raise in this spot, right? No, it's not unheard of. Yeah. There's not too many hands Tony G can really raise with, though, except the draws. He might decide. I don't think it would necessarily be right, but Tony G feels like the type of player who might decide to raise the king-10 of spades once Seidel flats here. Yeah, which is, which is actually, I think, fine. Because you're fine. trying to get it in with... Hashem at that point. And, yeah. and, and you don't mind blowing Eric Seidel off of whatever he has. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to call too, though. Whereas he might fold those if Seidel raises. Yes. I think if we're out of position, we probably should strongly consider raising. And I think being in position, we can really, it's okay to call. Yeah. I mean, we're letting in a lot of draws that like Tony G is going to call all of his gut shots if we call. Yeah, that's true. And there's a lot of bad cards. We all don't know spades, what we're trying to dodge. All spades, and there's a bunch of cards that fill gut shots that Tony G can have. All right, so the benefits of raising for Eric Seidel is we get to make sure the gut shots aren't going to be in there unless they're with a flush draw. Mm-hmm. It's easier to know what cards we have to dodge. Yeah. Um, we can sometimes get it in against Joe, uh, whereas scary cards might slow Joe down on the turn and us down. If spades come, Like we're not really going to get t- too much more value. Yeah. Uh, so those are benefits to raising. Benefits to calling mostly have to do with keeping Tony G involved. Yeah. You also got to believe that Salty Joe is not super likely to bet again on this board. Like, even if Tony G folds. If Tony G calls, Salty Joe's not going to bluff. Now, he has aces. He's going to bet again. But I'm saying, like, if he doesn't have anything, if he's got, you know... Oh, so we're not missing out on any future bluff value, you're saying? It's unlikely. Now, yeah. maybe maybe on the turn, if Tony G folds and a brick comes off, maybe Salty Joe once in a while will bet. But I think mostly he's going to give up. If he's got the queen 10 or something yeah. like that, you know, it's like, all right. I mean, I guess you can have spades, but that's about it. Right. I can only, only get you to fold spades and I could try and get you to fold a nine, I guess. But salty Joe's short enough. He may just check and say like, all right, I haven't, I haven't lost too much in this pot. Yeah, that's possible. So Seidel decides to flat. I think both decisions are okay. Me too. I mean, it's obviously reasonable to raise. It probably even optimal to raise, but not by a lot compared to f- calling. Yeah. I agree. So always worry about action killing cards, both for you and your opponent. That's all. Well, Eric Seidel is fortunate enough that Tony G is sitting there out of position with bottom set. Yeah. So now it's on Tony G and this feels like a pretty clear raise, right? Well, yeah, because the action's going to close anyway. As Tony G, we know that we can't, we can't lay a trap for anyone else. We've already done that. Yep. If we call, it's often going to check through on the turn. We know that. There's a lot of bad cards on the turn, as we were just talking about for Seidel anyway. And now as Tony G, we know have to worry about two people. Seidel may only have to worry about one, and it's someone who raised pre, so that some of the cards aren't as scary if Tony G had folded, right? So, but Tony G knows he's got to fade both. Seidel looks like he has a draw, by the way. He does. And by raising now, 
we also create a stack to pot ratio for Joe Hashim where he's going to decide to shove a lot of his mm. value hands, like the hand he has. This hand or ace-king. Yeah. Mainly. Maybe even king-queen, though. He may decide. He's like, king-queen basically plays the same as ace-king here. Yeah. Which it does. He could it shove It does, because Tony G's probably going to three-bet ace-king pre-flop. Yeah. Yeah. And so you would expect, so would Seidel, happy to get it in with Hatcham. Yeah. With their, in his 44 blinds. Either. Right. And so all the scare cards coming are either going to make Tony G lose or kill his action against Hashem. Mm-hmm. So that's a good reason to raise, too. Yep. So I like this raise. Also, we're out of position, unlike Eric Seidel. So we can't make sure a bet's going to go in if, uh, you know, on the turn. Right. So I like this play by Tony G for sure. This, this feels like clear and obvious, and he makes it. He does. He makes it 15K. It's kind of small out of position. It is a little bit small. He wants action. Yeah, I guess so. He's saying, like, Joe, you still have some fold equity. Maybe yeah. maybe that's what he's saying. Because Joe started the, the street with 42K. Right. And he does have fold equity if Tony G's just completely messing around, which is possible. Not super likely, though. It's not super likely. I guess this raise does look really strong, which is a bit of a downfall for it. But T- you, the, the pros outweigh the cons, I think. Yeah, Tony, I assume, would be raising his combo draws. Yeah, if he has queen, jack of spades here. Yeah, so if, if as long as Tony G can have combo draws, too... Then as to- Joe Hashem, we're probably not supposed to fold the hand as good as King-Queen anyway. Right. Maybe the other stuff we are, but that is probably a little too good to fold. It's not an incredible pure equity spot against Tony G's range as Joe Hashem, but we've already gotten kind of short, and yeah. it's a tournament. We need to make something happen. Yeah. So G makes it 15K. What do you want to do with Joe Hashem? Two aces here. I mean, I think we have to move in. I think so, too, but it's definitely not comfortable. I mean, every time you get snapped... It's very bad. We're not worried about Eric Seidel, but if Tony G is doing this for value, we're usually screwed. But if we're not going to fold, which we're not, right? We're not folding on this race. This race, like, our hand is too good to fold. I think so. Seidel's always going to overcall his draws if we call, too. Exactly. That's why we have to move in. Yeah. And Tony G can... Eric Seidel can have a hand that he can fold. Tony G can have a hand that's either... That's a big draw or something that he can fold, too, perhaps, once in a while. We would love that outcome, fold, fold, by the way. That'd be great. Yeah, because if we get called, we're going to have to fade some draws. Yeah. Probably a combo draw, which we're only about 50% against. I mean, I guess we can get called by ace-king, and that's pretty good. But usually, neither of our opponents has ace-king. Rarely. Rarely. Could Tony G have king-queen and decide to call it off? I don't know if he'd call it off. Yeah, he might just fold. He'd probably raise fold. Maybe he could hope we have ace-queen and and decide to... Ace-queen of spades, excuse me. Yeah. And decide to go with it there, but I don't know if he would or not. Yeah, I don't know either. Tony G, he doesn't really like to fold. Maybe he'd call. But anyway, the point is, I think you have to move in as, as Hashem here, even though it, you know that there's times where you're just going to look a little dumb. Yeah. A little dumb. I don't think you look dumb because it seems like the right play. Yeah. So that's what Joe does. Joe moves in. And uh, both of his opponents are thrilled. Yes. Seidel is like, yeah, boy, I stole all the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a... Uh, that was an interesting audio pattern you created. I'm, I'm looking at like the audio oh, yeah. input. Yeah. Cool. You did that. It was very monotone audio pattern. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Everyone. Um, audio files, especially. There's right. a few of you. They love it. Uh, <laughs> so Seidel has another decision point here because this isn't mm. a super clear spot. He has multiple options. Obviously, folding is not one of them. But Hashem's just made it 42K. Tony G is still in the hand, having made it 15K, and Tony G has 110K to start the hand. Yeah. So I think I think you could flat here with nines and hope Tony G decides to move in to protect sometimes. Interesting. If we flat here, is Tony G going to move in with his combo draws once we flat again? Now we flatted, we flatted, what, what was the bet on the flop? 2K? 4K? 45. 45, We yeah. flatted the 45, now we're suddenly flatting 42,000. And we're flatting effectively a third of Tony G's, the, a third of, of Tony G's effective stack. Yeah, we look like we're pretty committed to this pot. We may not be, but we sure look like it, right? Right. Like, we don't have King Queen anymore as Seidel, almost ever. No, maybe. Like we have King Queen of Spades. Yeah, maybe we can f- have those types of hands, King X of Spades hands. But if we had those kinds of hands, wouldn't we move in rather than let Tony G put, move us in? No, I think those Why? are the specifically perfect hands. The, to, because, be, to be okay with Tony G moving us Because in. we have showdown value? Because we have showdown value, and we are not afraid of any of Tony G's range necessarily. Like, the sets are going to call if we move in anyway, right? So it yeah, doesn't matter. Pro- and at this point, the nut flush draw is probably going to feel obligated to call yeah. too, right? And so if we remove cares? in, the nut flush draw is probably going to fold. 
If we what? If we move in now as Seidel, Tony G will fold the nut flush draw. That's not a bad thing if we have the king high flush draw. No, it is a bad thing because there's a king on the board. No, I know we're ahead, but the point is now it's a, it's a 100K tournament and we don't like there's a lot of chips that are just out there anyway. That's true. We don't have to like risk anything. We can move in and be in incredible shape rather than move in and like hope it all works out. I mean, we obviously have good equity. So there's Tony G's going to have probably seven outs plus his aces. So of 10 outs twice, but 10 outs twice, you know, ain't nothing. That's like 40%. I'll probably call it 36% or something like that when all of a sudden done. I mean, we don't have to allow that. Why, why lose almost all our chips 36% of the time? Okay. So you think we have to move in with our entire range that we're going to keep playing? I'm wondering if we're supposed to do that. Is if there we any, move in, go ahead. Knowing it's Tony G, like, is there any value of flatting because Tony G is just going to feel more comfortable moving in than calling off with like, Parts of his range that are a bit too weak to actually get it in with. What parts are you thinking? If he shows up with King Queen, maybe he decides like Seidel's on a draw. I don't think Tony G's going to move in with King Queen after Seidel calls 42,000. Probably I just not. I don't think so. Tony G's not a dummy. We could say lots of things about him, but he's not, he's not reckless like that. All right. I know there's few combos of it, but what if, what if Tony G has bottom two pair? Okay. There's very few combos. It's possible he can have it, but. There's what, th- three combos? Yeah. Once we call, maybe Tony, maybe that's an example. Okay, so there's three combos there. That's also, also King Nine and King Five, I think. Yeah, I was thinking about King Nine. King Nine, there's also three combos of. Um, King, King five, five, there's nine combos. Yeah. This was in 2012. I don't know if Tony G was calling King Five off back then. He's calling King Five suited for sure. I mean, it's 1,200 to win. A bunch pre-flop. I mean, it's twelve hundred to win fifty-three hundred. I mean, that's cool, but no one was doing this back then, yeah. right? Like, Maybe Tony G was. He's pretty loose. He was pretty loose. It's true. It's possible Tony G was, but most people were not. He at least has King Five suited, right? Without question, he's got the two King Five suited. But if we give him King Five suited for sure, we forget about the other King Fives, which I think is most likely for twenty twelve. Yeah. Now we're looking at eight combos of hands that that are in this range, right? That yeah. He might decide to fold. I don't know if. If we move, yeah, if he has King Nine, it's a really weird spot when we move in. He might call anyway. He might. It's a, what are you supposed to do with King Nine here? Seidel moves in? I think maybe you call if you don't have the King of Spades and you fold if you do have the King of Spades. Not completely unreasonable. Hmm. The thing is, if we have, oh, King Nine, yeah, King Nine. It's tough. That's going to be a really tough spot for Tony G. Yeah. If he has King Nine, exactly. I think I should probably explain why I said that. Oh, okay. The sure. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thing. You're right. Because if we have the King of Spades, that means that Seidel can't have the King Queen of Spades or the King Jack of Spades and play it like this. Right. And if we don't, that means he can. And we're in okay shape against those hands. Yeah. We don't want to block the hands we want him to have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. By the way, King Nine isn't doing great against the King Queen of Spades anyway. It's no, like it's not 57% incredible. Seven percent or something like that. Right, you know, but not including Joe Hashem's hand. Yeah, but still, it's like such a good hand. It's a good hand, and there are other things we could be up against that we're doing better against. Also, Seidel's flat could mess with us a little bit here. When Seidel just flats the forty-five hundred, we're going to assume he's going to raise his sets a lot of the time. Mm. There is a spade draw out there. That's a great point. His sets and two pairs, we're going to yeah. assume he's going to do that with. But if he flats again, I mean, he just, like, think about it from Seidel's point of view. He's just almost, it's so hard for, hard for him to have a non-monster draw at least, right? It's just so hard for him to have at least that because Tony G, the action is reopened for Tony G to move in. Yeah, I agree. The thing, though, also I'm thinking about pre-flop, like, Seidel rarely has two pair here. He's probably folding mm-hmm. most of his two pair combos. Maybe he has king nine suited. But pre-flop, he didn't three-bet, so we don't expect him to have a set of kings. Right. Oh, a no. set of nines is not all the time. He's going to three-bet that some of the time. Yeah. Also, we'd expect him to raise the flop yeah. some of the time. with it. It's really hard to put him on a set of nines. Yeah. So it's like it's hard to figure out what he has. I would think he most likely has a combo draw. Yeah. And if he, But if he flats, I would think he's a little less likely to have a combo draw. I think he'd be more apt to move in with his combo draw. He doesn't want to call off with queen high. He wants to move in with queen high, right? Yeah. So... Now, so if he flats, I, I guess I'd be more apt to give him this goes back to what you're saying, the king X of spades. Yeah. Although he might just fold that too with Tony G potentially moving in behind him. He might just fold it. He might. Just feel like Such a strong hand though. I know, but Hasha moves in. Tony G, I think you have to fold it. Yeah. Tony G's very possibly going to move in behind you. Yeah. I don't know. 
It's a weird one. That's so, a tough spot. Seidel flatting puts him in this spot where like everything feels weird. Flatting feels weird, but moving in is also like, I guess moving in just is the most natural thing, but it's like we're shutting Tony G out so often that sucks. It's okay if Tony G has a big draw that to shut him out. Yes, it is. It really is. And we're, we're almost always nice ahead of Hashim, obviously, over the second nuts here. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Hashim has us, whatever. Yeah. Um, we know we're ahead of Tony G right now. Tony G, like having a set of kings is kind of impossible. Yeah, it just never happens. Yeah. So that's good. Yep. But he can have hands with so much equity against us. I think I think moving in's cool. Well, that's I like what, moving in. That's what Seidel does. And I'm pretty sure that's what I would do too. I just I thought it was something that was worth exploring, even though it feels kind of automatic to move in. Absolutely. No, I think it's good that we talked about it. And there are we I mean, the fact that it's hard to get called by that many worse hands does sort of suck. But if we can knock out significant equity against us and almost lock up this significant pot now, this pot's got chips in it, you know? This is worth winning. Yes, it is. That's cool. By the way, um, the Aussie Millions sh- video, which we're going to make a video breakdown of this, shows oh, yeah. uh, shows Seidel making it 60K, which is not even a legal raise size based on the action. Yeah, the minimum he could make would be 75K. <laughs> but he, we're pretty sure he moves in because he just puts out like a big stack of 5K chips. And yeah. I think he verbalizes something. Yeah. If he doesn't move in, he's effectively moving in. Yeah. Sure. He puts in way, way more than half a stack. Yeah. He puts in a lot of chips. Right, so, so he takes a big, big stack of five k. We're saying he moves in. in. There's no actual evidence or indication that he does, but we we're pretty sure he does. He he makes it at least like ninety thousand or a hundred thousand to go, and he's got like and Tony G's got one hundred twenty k total, so it's fine. It's right. like Tony G gets that. So it sounds like this is just a cooler. Yeah. Before we get to Tony G's decision, I want to talk about a place where it would be nice to avoid the coolers, but you know it's poker. Sometimes there are coolers, but hopefully you're on the right side of them. At Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. That's their new slogan. Yeah. Hopefully you're on the right side of the coolers <laughs> here at Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. Yeah. Uh, Nitrogen Sports Poker Room is where we play poker. We have a monthly tournament. Happens at the end of every month. It's pretty fun. We play it. You play it. There's an overlay. There's free money. Who doesn't like that? Everyone likes that. Everyone. I think you're right. Yeah. You said who? I'm just answering. I guess maybe like some asceticists may not like free money. Oh, interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Think about that. I, I never had. If, if you're not thinking about free money in the context of hedonism versus asceticism, I think you're doing it wrong. And that's Nitrogen Sports Poker Room's <laughs> new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> so Nitrogen Sports Poker is a Bitcoin-only poker site. They move at the speed of Bitcoin, which means transactions happen within like 5 to 20 minutes. Right. So the, the key to that is Nitrogen, unlike other poker sites uses Bitcoin's actual blockchain network for its transactions. It doesn't have any sort of central processing system where you say, I want to withdraw my money. Then somebody at nitrogen has to say, I'm going to look at this. Okay. It's okay. And it takes a day for that to happen. That doesn't happen. Right. It just, it works as a Bitcoin wallet. So it goes directly to your Bitcoin wallet. There's no BS. It's unheard of. It's awesome. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to get your money out right away. And of course, it doesn't matter how much you're withdrawing. It's all the same at right. Nitrogen. And you get to do it twice a month for free because Bitcoin comes with a charge when you transact it. But Nitrogen's going to foot the bill on that twice yeah. a month. Right now, the charges are actually pretty low. They've come back down. But they were very recently, like a month ago, they were as high as like 150 bucks for transaction, sure. which is crazy. Um, so whatever the bill is, they foot it twice a, twice a month. You get it free. That's yeah. more than enough. Right. We think. Yeah, it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. And Nitrogen, of course, doesn't just have poker, although you should play poker there because it's nice software. The sign-up details are minute. It's only a username and password. Mm. Um, they also have sports betting. They have all sorts of sports betting. They have uh, online gaming, just general casino stuff. And it's all Bitcoin. It's all fast. It's all great software. But you have to use the link in the description of this podcast if you want access to some of the cool Poker Guys promotions that tournament Grant was talking about with the small buy-in and huge overlay and other things that we do over the course of the next several months that you will just get access to, which you otherwise would not. Right. So when you're thinking about the spectrum of hedonism versus asceticism, think about Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. Nitrogen Sports Poker, where philosophy meets gambling. Iconoclasm is not yet considered. Okay. Okay. I think we nailed the slogan for that. Yeah, that was that was pretty strong. Yeah. Obviously, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Ob- obviously. So let's get to Tony G's decision. Okay. It feels kind of like a side call, right? We have bottom yep. set here. Although the action has gone like this. All Hashim did was raise preflop and take aggressive action since then. So yeah. he's pretty strong. Yep. No matter what. But we're, usually we're ahead of him anyway. We're usually ahead of him. But I think the key is this. We're only losing a one hand that Seidel can really have. 
can, it's only pocket nines, right? Well, Seidel is a bit of a slow player from time to time. Okay. He could possibly right. have pocket kings. He could have kings once in a blue moon. It's not, it's not common. But usually he's not. So there's like three combos of nines, and there's maybe one combo of kings. But let's think about how the action went, though. Okay. Hashem betting 4,500. Seidel calling 4,500. We raise to 15K. Hashem moves in for 42K. Seidel removes in for our stack, which to start the hand was like 140 big blinds. Yeah. This is a pretty serious situation. No question. Yeah. But combo draw? Maybe. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. Which we don't have amazing equity against, but we're supposed to call if he has a combo draw, right? We have to be pretty sure that Seidel is going to do this with a combo draw. Well, I think he would move in most of the time with a combo draw, like we were talking about before, because he doesn't want to have to call off with queen high. Is there any folding a combo draw? Maybe the lower combo draws? He might have folded when Hashim moved in, but he's not going to call 45 and fold, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what you're talking about. Uh, might he fold some of those? He might. I don't know if he actually would, but he, it's at least possible. Like if he has the 6-8 of spades right. and Hashim has a flush draw, he's in bad shape. Correct. Correct. But, you know. And all the combo draws are gut shots, by the way. There's no none, mm-hmm. none of the, that are open-enders. So yeah. they're all 12 outs. Yeah. So it's not like an incredible spot against Hashem's range. It is not an incredible spot. It's possible Seidel would fold some of the combo dress. Okay. Maybe all of them. I mean, do you think he's going to fold the queen jack of spades? Really? I mean, if we have 12 outs against Hashem's range, is it really worth it? Yeah. I'm going to say yes. We got 12 outs twice, and there's a lot of money in there. Tony G just put an extra 15K in there. Yeah, but we what just about... get to isolate. What about also getting called by Tony G? Like, that happens sometimes when we move in. Yes, this is true. But when we get called by Tony G, we probably need... Well, the problem is, like, there's much more on the line now. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, we still need to hit... We have the same outs, but there's a lot more on the line. But by moving in, we get to... Elim- you know, we get to force out hit, force him out some of the time anyway. Not not when he... We're not trying to get, obviously, a set of fives to fold. No. But um, the two pair of hands. I don't know. It's You wouldn't think you'd be able to fold out too much of Tony G, actually, now that I'm saying this. So you think we're just going to fold our com- all our combo draws here? I don't know if we are in practice. I think... This may be completely incorrect, but a way to sort of mitigate this this dichotomy of whether we should fold or not with the combo draws is, say, Seidel is going to play his big combo draws like this and fold his small combo draws just to give ourselves some combos to work with. Yeah, I don't know if that actually works that way in practice either. It would make sense in some ways because our big combo draws, we have more of a chance to get called by worse flush draws. Yeah. That said, usually if... Salty Joe or Tony G get it in this spot. They're often going to have the, and they have a flush draw. It's usually going to be the not flush draw anyway. Right. So it doesn't really help us as much as we'd hope. So then it goes back to, would we even want, need to use this as a mechanism for making a decision or not? Right. Like, I don't know that we would like probably we either should get it in or not. I don't yeah. know, man, this is a weird spot from Seidel's, from Tony's point of view, thinking about Seidel's point of view. Yeah, it is. It's pretty weird. Okay. So, Let's look at this a couple different ways with our set of fives. Did I just G. swear? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I said it's a weird spot. I didn't I said, notice. I said a swear. word in between weird and spot. Did I say fricking? I don't think you said any. Maybe I may you have said it. the F word. I think you might have just thought it. Maybe I did. All right. Let's please continue. Um, so let's look at this from two different perspectives from Tony's perspective with a set of fives here. Perspective A, we don't think Seidel has combo draws. We think he folds combo draws. Okay. In that case, what are we up against? Slow play to ace king. King nine that's slow played and sets of nines and kings. Yeah, so let's talk about the most clear, obvious ones first. Maybe not slow played ace king, by the way. Yeah, For, I don't know about slow played ace king. Like, is he going to actually play? I don't know if he's going to move in with slow played ace king. He's probably going to fold slow played yeah. ace king. That's a weird spot for slow played ace king. Let's forget about ace king. Okay. Let's give him king nine suited for sure. Okay. Right? That's like definitely there. Yeah. That's two combos. Okay. Set of nines, we can probably give him all three combos. Maybe we just give him uh, one like, and a half combos. Yeah. Because he's going to three bet some of the time. And he's going to raise the flop some of the time. Yeah. When, oh, the raising the flop too. Yeah. I mean, he's going to raise nines. the flop with all these things. Yeah. All the value, he's going to raise the flop with a fair amount of the time when on the, fir- on the initial bet. True. Obviously, there's no bluffs at this point for Seidel. Hashem's already all in. Right. Does he ever play the nut flush draw this way, Seidel? Yes. Maybe. Perhaps. I mean, if he plays the nut flush draw this way, does he ever play other combo draws this way? I know we said let's eliminate them, but... I think it's better to play the nut flush draw this way than combo draws because of being against the nut flush draw. Okay. 
That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I don't know. It's hard to think. I think we probably are supposed to, even if we were eliminate combo draws, kind of close our eyes and call here, right? That's Tony G. Yeah. Because what the hell does this guy have? It's really hard. I don't see how we're supposed to fold because nothing makes a lot of sense, right? Like the strong value doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it's possible we've seen Seidel play sets just like this a lot of times. Maybe that's a thing going through our head. Okay. If we've seen that, then okay, that can change things a little bit. Yeah. Here's the thing. Tony G folds. Yeah. He folds in about... Now, they have time banks and stuff like this. It's 2012, yeah. but they already were doing that, the Aussie Millions. But he takes like 25 seconds and folds and says like, hey, I hate folding sets and shows fives. And everyone... And he's correct, obviously. Yeah. He's right. How about that? Tony G makes a great fold. I, I mean... Think, I think this is a side call for me. Is it a great fold? That's what we're trying to figure yeah. out here, I guess. In You're practice, right. obviously, it's a great fold. Right. Is it actually a great fold? I guess part of it may be, from Tony G's point of view, well, Salty Joe can have nines and kings. Yes, he can, very easily. Um, And Seidel can have a big combo draw. That's one thing. Yeah. Or it could be vice versa. Or they both could have me. Or And by the way, we don't really care what what Hashem has if Seidel has us, right? Yeah. Seidel almost has us so rarely, though. That's the thing. It's just nines and a little bit of kings. Well, if we know Seidel is like a slow play guy, maybe we give him a bunch of nines, like all the nines, and maybe we give him some kings. You can't give him all the nines. Yeah. You just can't. Probably not. And you can't, you can give him a, a little bit of kings. You just can't give him that much. I know, we, I know we've seen him flat with kings before, but he's mostly not going to do that, right? Yeah. We're happy to get it in against combo draws. If we think Seidel has every combo draw and sometimes not flush draws, we have to get it in. I mean, isn't this a better outcome as Tony G than if Seidel flats, we move in? Because then Seidel's going to fold his two pair hands and stuff like that. This is his chance to move in with a two pair hand right here. Yeah. This is the way we get the money from Seidel. He's going to fold his combo draws and his two pair hands if he flats and we move in. This is, this is what we were hoping for, you would think. Tony G folds so easily. Yeah, I mean, he must know something about Seidel. He must. He just must, right? It feels like a wrong fold. It does. Maybe Tony G knows that this is 100K and Seidel plays these a particular way. I don't buy that for a second. No. There's so many things we're doing great against. Maybe Seidel plays the King X of Spades like this sometimes. Maybe he plays combo draws like this sometimes. Mm-hmm. He has King 9 suited for sure in his range. Yeah. I mean, all of these things have outs against us, but we're obviously doing fine. Oh, of course. I'm, we're happy to get it in with yeah. all, against all those things. We have to, if we want to win tournaments, we have to be willing to get it in those yeah. spots against those kinds of hands. And the thing is, is just as easily we can say, well, maybe never plays a combo draw like this. We could also say, well, maybe never play strong value like this either, you know, because of the flat on the flop and then the weird shove. You yeah. Know? So I don't see how we can eliminate half of that and not like the draws and not the value. I mean, we, maybe we can, maybe if we know that much about him, maybe we can, but it seems like it's asking a lot. I mean, Tony G might be a very player dependent guy and he, yeah. he thinks he has a certain understanding of the way Seidel will play things. And he thinks like, this is always a really strong hand. I'll give Tony G this. He actually shows the fives, which means he's sure he's losing. Yeah. Like, he would just quietly fold if he if he thought like it was unlikely, right? But he's right. like, oh yeah, no, no, I, I, you got me. Like I know I'm beat, you know. Like Which is sort was, of interesting. If it was Dwan taking this line, maybe Tony G never folds. I would hope not. Yeah, I wouldn't. Right. Dwan has all the combo draws for sure. Yes. Dwan might have just top pair and be like trying to like navigate a particular field, right. of, you know, navigate the obstacles in a very particular way and think he can like pull it off. You Which know. he's done before. Yeah, right. He's he actually does pull these things off. It's like I'm gonna fold out a better hand against Tony G. I'm gonna be up against Salty Joe's ace queen of spades. It's gonna be great. Yeah. You know? Um I think against a lot of players you can't fold this. All hand. right, yeah. I mean, like you're generally not gonna make money over time in poker folding sets on the flop. Correct. Especially, yeah, when the when there's no like straight out there or right. anything or anything else, you know. It's like come on, man. It's by the way, it's also really fine. This goes to your point, I guess. To just lose bottom set, like yeah, getting in, you know, closing your eyes and getting in with bottom set, you know, over time you're going to make money. Yep, that's that. Even in these awful situations that don't feel great, sometimes they have you. This is a uh, reminiscent in a lot of ways of the Calacanis fold with a set that we did yeah. about a month ago. Uh, that that board was a lot different though, which yes. made us ultimately conclude that his fold was okay. Mm-hmm. 
I think if, if we were to dive a little deeper, which I don't really want to do combinatorially, we would find that Tony G's fold is not okay. Well, there's nothing. I mean, Kyle Kansas is up against potential straights yeah. and potential two pairs, and there's very few of those out. Right. So that really changes it. Yeah. We're, we, don't, we don't see any... Re- we don't believe we need to improve. Cal Canis thought it's very likely he needs to improve. Yep. And so that was part of our work with... Right. With the com- combinatorially with him anyway, right? Yeah. So that's a big difference. Definitely. Tony G... Like, we'd be getting it in, like, I have the best hand, obviously. If, if, we, if we need to improve in this spot, we don't want to get it in. No, of course not. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Tony G just imagines he's behind Seidel a lot of the time. Yeah. And it feels like it kind of has to be a set of nines most of the time because he didn't three-bet preflop. Maybe Seidel flashes cards. <laughs> like Maybe. After, like, he, he re-looked at them after Salty Joe moved in and Tony, Tony G saw him or something. Maybe. I don't know, man. This doesn't, seem like a, this doesn't seem like a fold we should be making. It's an impressive fold in the moment, though. It really is. It's hard to believe he folds, and he folds sort of as easily as he does. I think everyone else would at least be deeply pained and probably call. Well, it might come back also to what you were talking about with Seidel playing 100Ks differently. I know you kind of dismissed that, but this was 2012. There hadn't been many 100Ks yet. Hmm. Just think about how people play the main event early on, even. And like, yeah. So these guys might be playing crazy tight in these spots. Interesting. Like Seidel might not even move in with two pair because it's like, why the structure is so good. It's a 100K buy-in. These are so rare. I have to be 100% sure I'm good when I move in. Right. Right. With two pair, maybe he calls and sees what Tony G does and then makes a decision. Yeah. Interesting. Well, if that's the case, that would change it. I think the fact that you're... That's an interesting point that 100Ks were pretty new yeah. back in 2012. Seidel, by the way, was running over the world in, in, yes, these, he was. in these super high roller buy-in type stuff. But but when I say running over the world, I just means he was winning them. I don't mean he was like playing hyper-aggressively right. necessarily or anything like that. And so maybe you're right. Maybe that really plays into it. Maybe Tony G knows Eric Seidel. You know, just outside of, you know, just in general, they're friends or something like that. And he actually understands Seidel's early early tournament strategy and knows he's just not going to lose his mind in this spot. Like, just like I'm not going to lose my mind in level one of the main event with two kings. Right. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'll tell you right now, people, if you're listening, if I seven bet you all in and level one of the main event and we both have full stacks, I probably don't have two kings. Yep. I'm going to have a much better hand or a much worse hand. Yep. Probably about, probably a much better hand, though. I don't think you're going to have a much worse hand. I'm just saying, you never know with me. I'm a wild card. Yeah, sure I'm you like are, buddy. Charlie. Sure you are, buddy. Charlie Day. I know. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I was talking about, you're not the only person I'm talking to. doesn't matter. Wow. You, and I absolutely am the only person you're talking to. <laughs> this podcast isn't out yet. But, <laughs> but the world might explode before this podcast comes out. Think about it that but way. But I can still be talking to people if they can't hear me. Ooh. I got you on that one. No. Where solipsism meets philosophy. Nitrogen <laughs> sports poker. <laughs> there is nothing about solipsism. And solipsism is a philosophy. What do you mean meets philosophy? <laughs> Just shut up. How's that? That's a good philosophy. Thanks. Good philosophy to end the podcast. With. Okay. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm going to be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.